The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Folks, welcome back. Once again, basketball talk here at MWWire.com. Not West Wire, Jeremy Moss, Eli Betker. We're talking Nevada Wolfpack. And should we just say first place in adios and we're done? Right? <laughs> yeah. See ya. Been a good podcast. 35 seconds. We're out of here. No. Uh, we'll talk more about them, but um, give us a follow Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff, Mountain West Wire. Um, just a, a note on this. Once you hear this, it'll be um, released after media days, which are upcoming as we're recording now. So if we don't mention any of that stuff, that's why, because we're kind of releasing these a couple days at a time and recording a few ahead of time. So if we don't mention who made first team or whatever, Nevada players, that's why. So, yeah, have a listen. We'll break down that as well, of course, Eli. But – the Wolfpack, Eric Musselman, shirtless Musselman. We'll go with that. Drive-by dunk Musselman. <laughs> we need to bring that back on the website soon as well so people can see it. But what is your um, – let's just get going. What's your first thought in Nevada as they're attempting to repeat? Well, I guess if Eric Musselman ends up with another shirtless game, that's probably good news for Nevada. Um, but besides that, this is a excellent team that they don't return their top two scores in Marcus Marshall and Cameron Oliver, but – uh, it's been the case now in the last few years that if Eric Musselman's leading your team, you'll probably have a handful of solid transfers coming in. That's the same case this season. Does it bother you has, that he has a lot of transfers? I know we discussed your article before about transfers, but it seems he may have started the trend or maybe increased it within the Mountain West where he brought in the guy. We'll get to the guys who come from North Carolina State. Other players coming in, like then you see UNLV bringing the guards from Milwaukee. New Mexico needed to bring in a bunch of players for partly because of the new head coach. Did he start the trend, or he just maybe opened it up, or like it's only been a couple years where we've seen this not mat like I don't want to say mass transfer, but more no more um, the increased amount of players from JUCO or just F or not FBS, but a Division One transfer. Is that do you think that's uh, kind of accurate to say the past few years it's been Nevada leading the way for that, and ever everyone else just kind of followed or just did it because they had to, like New Mexico or UNLV? I I don't feel like he's the one that started it, but I feel like he's been the best at it so far, and you could probably make an, a case for Iowa State, what they've done, or Iona, and they have had a lot of transfers coming in. But in terms of high-impact guys, Nevada's had a lot of key players. Marcus Marshall last year, uh, he came over from a low major and scored about 20 points per game. They have three or four players that will be eligible next year that all average double-digit points per game the previous season. So Musselman has a way, and his you have to credit his assistants that are behind him as well that continue to add talent. It, in my opinion, though, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, as long as you have enough enough depth to get by, and Nevada just had enough last year with six or seven scholarship players uh, that were, I guess, eligible and ready to play at any given time. But... And just if you have the roster and you're capable of doing that, I think you might as well go for it. We've seen in the past that experience is really huge when it comes to winning games. And if you can add players that come from conferences like the ACC or the Big Ten or the Pac-12 and you can win with those players, then it's more power to you. 
Exactly. One quick note, real quick. I was looking up because NBA starting this week. I'm like, oh, Cameron Oliver, Rockets. They gave him a huge, a pretty big contract as an undrafted guy. <sighs> he got waived from the Houston team. Did you know that? Yeah, I saw that yesterday. I think, I think it probably has more to do with an injury that he suffered. I think he sprained his Fra- hand or did something to his yeah, hand. Fractured. Did he fracture? Yeah, I'm reading it? It right here from the Reno Gazette. Fractured hand. And because he guys kind of stinks because he got such a large signing bonus at three hundred thousand or not signing bonus but guaranteed money, um, he can't sign to their G League team because yeah, I guess there's a maximum guaranteed money from an NBA contract that you can get to move up and down. That's only fifty thousand, so he's going to be in hmm. the uh, I guess the G League now draft, which maybe he'll end back up back back up with the Rockets, but probably be a first round pick and that's coming up, so that's something to keep an eye on. He'll probably be on a team by the time you hear this, but just wanted to mention it because he he did leave early to go to the NBA. Interesting. Uh, In other NBA-related Mountain West news, though, Gene Clavel from Colorado State sticking on the Dallas Mavericks, so that's cool. But uh, I hope that Cameron Oliver is able to stick on a team. Those NBA player movement and financials and stuff is so complicated and just so difficult to keep track of. So I guess... We'll keep an eye on that, and if anything happens, you'll see it up yeah, on your site. about that. Because he's an athletic guy. Like, let's look at, watch him play. Space cam for reason. Dunks between the legs. Yeah. on a team that runs a little bit. That That's, you figured, for me, watching the Rockets enough, they're, they want to run a bit, kind of like the Warriors. Um, stop, shoot quick threes to truckers, like to call them. But apparently that fractured hand, it's a big deal. But, all right, well, let's get to actual this current team. So who's the um, transfers coming in that are eligible? Now, we mentioned the guys next year. Who's going to be like the guy? You got a bunch of newcomers coming in. You got the two guys from the Martin brothers from NC State, uh, Caleb and Cody. You also have, I'm trying to look at my list here, from Purdue. You know Purdue, right? Kendall, Kendall Stevens, Stevens, how's he? Yep. What's he like? He's good. He's a 6'7 <laughs> wing, or 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, he shoots threes. He had a bit of a difficult season the last time out for Purdue. Uh, he's known as almost solely a three point threat. Uh, lost a bit of his touch this past season, but with taking a whole season off due to NCAA eligibility rules, I would assume he spent a lot of time working on his shooting touch, so he should be ready to go this year. So did you know, I'm looking at one of these magazines, I think it's Lindsay's or something, they they put like a key stat. We'll get to more transfers in a moment, but this kind of indicates why they want that. Um, number three, only three scholarship players on the roster arrived as true, true freshmen. Can you name those three, Eli? Uh, Lindsey Drew. All right. Josh okay. Hall. And I want to say Elijah <laughs> you Foster. You are correct. And you're not, you're not cheating. Hey, there you go. know this, right? Is that out? No, I, I, I think Bra- so. Yeah. That's correct. Well played. There you all go. right. I was surprised. I'm like, I'm like, you're going to get maybe one of these. So like, oh, you get all three. So that tells you kind of, uh, well, part of it too. Muscleman is what year three, correct? Yes. Yes, he'll be. In so year it's three. not too much of a surprise because new coach, players come and go. You want to either follow the coach or go somewhere else because, like we said before, yeah, you commit to the school. Really, come on, the coach system. If you're playing that sport, typically that's why you go there. It's like in uh, football. You're mm-hmm. you're going to uh, Air Force or Washington State for a reason. <laughs> you run the option or want to be a five exactly, wide yeah. outset. So with this team, like, so who's going to replace the big thing? Who's going to replace Cam Oliver? Is it going to be a transfer? Could it be? Guys from coming in from last year that are returning. So who do you think that might be? Because they had a short bench last year, so it's not like there's a lot, a lot of guys to um, 
look deep down who's going to come out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think it'll be just one player that's going to replace Cameron Oliver. I mean, that's a lot to ask for just based on what he did last season. So I think it'll be a mix of maybe a number of players pitching in. Obviously, the Martin Twins are probably going to average somewhere around double digits. Caleb, Caleb will probably average maybe 10 to 13, maybe even 15 points. So he's going to be one to look out for. I think Jordan Caroline is going to take the next step this season. He was considered probably the number three guy last year on this roster, even though he exploded a number of times. I think he had 40-something points against New Mexico in that wild comeback. So he's probably a legitimate all-conference player. And you also get Elijah Foster back this season. He played seven games last year before uh, he was ruled out for the season. He was temporarily kicked off the team, so to speak. He had a bit of an off-court issue, but... He's been reinstated, he's back with the team, and he should be able to make an immediate impact with this roster. So he could very well start for this team as well. Yeah, they won 28 games last year, and I'm looking through previews and my own stuff, kind of what's happening. Is there a chance they could be better than last year? I wouldn't rule it out. I think that they have enough coming in this season. And I know it's a lot to ask to replace... Marcus Marshall and Cameron Oliver, and you even have to replace DJ Fenner, who averaged 13.5 last season. And it's a quiet 13.5, too, because he seemed more of a role player. But, I mean, that's a lot of points every night. So those are three big losses. But like like we said, you have some nice transfers coming in. You expect guys like Lindsey Drew. Josh Hall was unheralded last year. He should be able to take the next step. So just add another year of experience, and you have guys that are coming in from major conferences like Big Ten, Big 12, and the ACC. I think if they can all come together and and play like a solid Eric Musselman-led team, then I don't see why they couldn't win about 28 games again this season. That's pretty good. So the last of three players, we we kind of joked that they weren't a deep team. They have five new – was it five new guys who are eligible? So are they going to be like – for me, it seems, yeah, you lose three guys, you gain five, they're automatically going to be deep. Are they good? Is this a team I'm thinking they can go nine, at least, at least nine deep? Because yeah, seven's tough. We saw what CSU did, not very not going, what, six maybe at times in some games. So mm-hmm. this has to be a team that has more depth. And, and by that way, it's like, okay, Oliver averaged this, or guys they had last year, average, the guys they had lost, like Marshall and um, Fenner there, points, rebounds. It's going to be made up by more people, but – this has to be better if they're going to go at least nine deep because that seems to me that's the minimum they're probably going to – or about where they'll be this year. At least one or yeah. two more players deep than last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year's team was more star-oriented. They had, obviously, Leon, your main guys with Oliver and Marshall, but I think this team will be more deep, and Nevada made it to the NCAA tournament with solely a six-man roster. I mean, you had five guys, and you had Josh Hall coming off the bench, so – I think it's probably realistic that they can have maybe eight or nine players come in. And I don't know if Musselman will mix the playing time around as much as some people expect. It's a team that is really conditioned well. They practice hard. They play hard. So you have guys that are capable of playing 30 to 35 minutes. But it's definitely a luxury for the Wolfpack to have at least three, four bodies that can come in and contribute off the bench for so sure. So let's get to, is their schedule good enough to make an at-large bid? I think if they, yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, you're not really going to pick up any major non-conference wins, but if you cruise through conference play, maybe win 14, 15 
non-conference games, you probably at least be in the conversation. They had 28 wins last year, and do you think they would have made an at-large last year if they lost the title game? You know, there were some rumblings that came in probably 48 hours before Selection Sunday that said something along the lines of, if Nevada makes it to the championship game and loses to Colorado State, they could make it to the NCAA tournament. And I don't know if I completely believe that because I think their best non-conference win last year was maybe Iona, if I remember correctly. I think Who it was they Iona split with as well. So they played twice. Yes, they. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, they split with them. So it's hard to say, and it, it depends a lot of what the conference does as a whole. But you do have some opportunities for some decent non-conference wins, so that will help out. But for the most part, it's, I mean, it's not the greatest non-conference schedule. Uh, TCU is a solid game, for sure. Rhode Island's a nice one. But realistically, Nevada's going to have to pile up some wins if they want to be in the at-large conversation. David, Davidson's usually decent, right? Yeah, they have a player. I just read a Sports Illustrated article today that their top player, Peyton Aldridge, is expected to lead the country in points per game, so that already has some intrigue. I don't know how good Davidson will be this year, but they at least have one really solid player. San Francisco, they play them in Vegas. They're usually they should be, be they're going to be in the West Coast Conference. They're behind. They're probably the fourth team because behind St. Mary's, BYU, Gonzaga. But what does that say? If you're fourth West Coast Conference, you're probably on par with uh, what just above Air Force or, or not Air Force, but maybe uh, Wyoming. It's probably the same level there, which is probably a. Uh, Maybe a top 150 win if you're lucky. Yeah, it should be probably around that range. I think that the two, maybe three main games that you're looking out for is that Monday night opener against Rhode Island. I guess it's the second game of the season, but that's going to be a really big game. Rhode Island's the definite Atlantic 10 favorite, so if you can beat them, that's going to be a big win. TCU's a big one as well. I mean, some people are saying that the Horn Frost could probably finish top two, top three in the Big 12 and make it to the tournament. So that's something to look out for. That game's at the Staples Center in L.A., so that's definitely fun. And Texas Tech on the road, that one's down in Texas, so that's a solid road test for Nevada. If they can come away with that victory and, and also take down TCU, that would definitely be a big accomplishment for the Wolfpack. Because Rhode Island, kind of, I compared them to St. Mary's last year, but they give it home. You gotta win. You gotta win the games because, like, if we, look, I don't, I know, I'm not gonna put it in the spot or me to look it up real quick. But like, what's your best non-conference win in the most in like the past couple years? I, yeah, For Nevada, nothing, is it nothing special really? Right? Because they don't play anybody. Probably, yeah, probably Iona. <laughs> That's what yeah. I was thinking. Maybe it's Iona. Like, if you go to Musselman's first year, you got like Coastal Carolina, Hawaii, Montana State, Pacific, a school called. Have you ever heard of Holy Names? I'm looking at it right now. I mean, it's not Johnson and Wales, but yeah, it's close. It might as well be. <laughs> Holy name versus Johnson and Wales. That's what yeah. we want to see. They did play Wichita State a couple <laughs> years ago, but lost. But yeah, it might be. It you might be right. It could be that game last year. So I'm looking at. <laughs> it's the best non-conference schedule of the Muslim era for sure. And that's we we it's something we can talk on every show. It's like you got to get better, play better teams. Um, look at it real quick Oregon State maybe, but they were terrible last year. Washington? Yeah, to be fair, the, okay? the conference, yeah, I mean, the non-league schedule for Nevada really fell off the table last year because you're expecting Oregon State, who came off a NCAA tournament bid, to be all right. They were awful. Iona is kind of, I mean, they're they're a decent mid-low major program, but that's not a 
win that's going to get you in the tournament. Unless by they're any to means. go like thirty, you see like you... go crazy, but like thirty games. Yeah, exactly. And then Washington, who had Markel Fultz, also was nearly as bad as Oregon State. So, and Nevada won both of those games. So you can't really blame them for that. But it's just kind of how the season ended up for them. And when you look back in March and see that you beat Oregon State, Washington, and Iona as your best wins, and those teams kind of faltered later in the year. It's You can't fault Wolfpack, but it's still unfortunate. One thing about the schedule, which is, I guess, helpful compared to others, they do go on the road because I know we mentioned St. Mary's. Like, was it last year and year before? I think last, they didn't leave the state of California to, like, West Coast Conference play. That's something you can't have. If you're going to play a poor schedule, at least go on the road and play teams. And I think the same thing with BYU last year. Their first true road game was near conference play. Like they, I know they went to like uh, where they go. The same thing where the LA series at Staples Center, the TCU Nevada game. There was a similar series last year. They went to Illinois. They did something in Vegas. But playing true road games, like okay, you beat Radford, whatever. Oh, that's a home game. Sorry, you, like going to Hawaii. That's kind of tricky. Be going, you beat go going on the road to California to play Stock Santa Clara and Stockton or, or Pacific and Stockton. Playing those road games matter, even if they're not great teams. So it's that's something I guess you could look at going to Irvine, going like I said, going to Lubbock, playing two, because you know that you mentioned like we mentioned this in the off season before, one maybe the first show, the new emphasis on like road victories or road games, right? Isn't that what the new emphasis sort of is, or at least adding more toward it? So mm-hmm. if you go to Lubbock, beat them, beat TCU away from home, you see Irvine's usually decent in the Big West. That that gives you a little bit of edge, right? Yeah, I would, I would think so, and if I'm counting correctly, Nevada has five true road games, and it looks like three neutral site games, and two of the neutrals are in Las Vegas, but, it, I mean, it's still neutral site. So you won't see many teams in the, the entire country that play as many as eight games that are either neutral or on the road. So that's at least something that will help Nevada. I don't know how much that moves the needle come Selection Sunday, if Nevada's in the conversation, which we expect them to be. But if anything else it'll at least help Nevada gain experience playing on the road. And, and that's always important when you bring in a number of new players and you, you want them to mesh together. And playing on the road obviously plays a big part in that, especially in a conference like the Mountain West. Yeah, you know what sort of helps their schedule? I'm looking at it right now They in conference play. Because we don't expect the Mexico to be anything great this year just because of the returning talent they don't have because of transfers and new coach with Paul Weir. They get them once and also only Air Force once which is good because hmm, you get okay. San Jose State twice, but you kind of hopefully that minimizes. You get what you can get with RPI. Air Force is going to be sub-200. New Mexico, they may surprise, but expectations at the moment are pretty low. So if you only if you play the bad teams only once, that helps you out a lot. But I do like how the – you see who the season finale is against? Yeah, those last three games, those are pretty yeah, interesting. San Diego State to end the season at Viejas. Then previously you have uh, – at UNLV, and then you host CSU. Those three games could literally determine, well, UNLV maybe not, but, well, depends who you listen to, right, on UNLV? <laughs> That's <laughs> My right, yeah. Rebels. <laughs> but either way, I mean, yeah, it, it, if UNLV is playing well, I mean, it'll at least be a packed crowd, and UNLV and Nevada don't like each other, so it should be pretty packed and as it is. And end of your game, if UNLV still kind of rebuilding up, they hopefully they'd be the best team at that moment. But, yeah, those last three mm-hmm. games – and then also, did um, SI come out with their top hundred list? Who was that? Wasn't there a couple Nevada guys, or at least one on the on that top one hundred uh, list? 
Yeah, I can pull it up real quick. I think yep. that Jordan Caroline was the only top 100, and this is projected scores, so it's not the ultimate top 100 player list, but I think that Jordan Caroline was the sole Nevada player that was represented in their list, and I'm trying to sift through it, and I'm not getting to it right. Oh, here it is. Uh, Jordan Caroline came in as the projected 77th leading scorer in the entire country. So. Oh, it was by score? I thought it was, I thought um, it was players, like best players. No, it's it's only rated by or ranked by projected points per game. So you have uh, the Davidson score, Peyton Aldridge at number one. I think he's projected to score about twenty two points per game, something like that this year. Okay, and you put together your own list of this as well of, within the Mountain West. So who did you fall in line with the same Nevada player at the top? Yes, I have Jordan Caroline representing Nevada as their leading scorer. Sports Illustrated has him scoring. Looks like fourteen point eight points per game this year. I think that might be a little low. Um, that that would be a slight drop off from last year, I believe. But I think Caroline probably leads the team in scoring. You could probably make an argument for Caleb Martin. He'll probably be somewhere around that thirteen to fifteen points per game range. I don't think anyone else will probably be near those two. So it'll be either those two t- players leading the team in scoring, I'd imagine. All right. So let me ask you this, then, since we're getting um, wrap it up here. Is it is it just NCAA tournament or bust for these guys? I would think so. Yeah, I think this team's definitely capable of reaching the NCAA tournament for the second consecutive year. So, I think an NIT bid or below would probably be disappointing. All right, so, with like if they go to the NCAA tournament, if you want to take the the next step, are they like last year? We all kind of thought they beat Iowa State because the rebounding edge wasn't there. Like that's all we said. How they'd win? That didn't happen at all. <laughs> we were looked looked like a bunch yeah, of dummies yeah. when that was the case. <laughs> it happens. It, it happens. happens. Hey, if you listen to me, it's the tournament, so true, you never but know. If you listen to me in football, I'm nailing all my predictions for the most part. So <laughs> listen there to that go. stuff for football. I'm telling you, this year, next year I'll be terrible, <laughs> but this year I'm doing pretty well. So enjoy yes, it while enjoy it lasts. Right? While it lasts. So if they make the <laughs> tournament, um. Do you, I think it's a possibility, even if um, they don't win the league. But it'll be tough because we want the league needs to be better, and hopefully Aztecs continue continue doing what they're doing, get a little bit better. Hopefully, like we mentioned, or we will defense find a score. Maybe the transfers that have come in score UNLV will come up this year. I don't know if they'll be competitive, but I think for this year to help Nevada or everybody, Nevada needs to win a bunch of games, as does San Diego State. And I guess, like I mentioned, the top three, Fresno, you just can't have any bottom weights. So let's just get a lot of wins and have no sub-200 teams, and they have no bad losses, essentially, or no terrible losses. Yeah, I think the bottom end of the conference is a lot better than it was last year, too. I mean, obviously, Air Force is going to be great. San Jose State loses Brandon Clark. But, I mean, Utah State has a solid backcourt. Colorado State is probably I – mean, most magazines and – prognosticators have them somewhere around seventh and eighth range which i mean i do as well but it's not this isn't a bad team by any means so the bottom half of the conference is not bad at all but i'm planning on writing an article before the season begins as to why this might be harmful to the conference like in the end because obviously you want the conference to be stronger from top to bottom but at the same time if your fifth or sixth place team knocks off team like Nevada or San Diego State, I mean, that could, I mean, it could just about ruin your season when it comes down to it when 
these Mountain West teams are really walking the tightrope and can't afford any additional losses. So you can expect that in the next few weeks or so. But I think that Nevada is a clear front runner for sure. And if they can pile on the wins, I think, and obviously we don't want them to lose any games that they shouldn't lose, like Santa Clara or I don't know who else they have. Like Radford, you don't want to lose any games like that. But if they do what they're expected to do and win 25-plus, they'll definitely be in the conversation, and they'll always have a chance to win three games in, down in Vegas for the Mountain West tournament. Really quick, just last year, I'm trying to find this more. I usually use the website. Do you ever use real-time RPI? I go yeah. there. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they changed their I, – I, I clicked by conference, but it only has like a percentage point for um, RPI one, actual RPI. But really quick, there's at least five – 100 teams are better. San Diego State was 98th. Oh, there we go. Let me go to full list. So I think what we need is like, yes, I get your, your point is very valid. Like, in the fifth, like if San Diego State's a fifth team, just to use the last year's example at RPI, 98, and they beat Nevada, who's, a, I think, finished 27th, I have here, 20, 29th here. That is a devastating loss because if you're middle of the pack of Mountain West in fifth place, you're at RPI, you're probably a top, a, 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 losing to a team who's 98th at RPI is not terrible. But if they're sitting at only, what, 10 wins in the conference, that doesn't help you out at all, or 12 wins. You want to have something better than that. You can't have those type of losses. Right, yeah. It, it'll it be interesting to see what happens, but, I mean, you can't expect Nevada to go 18-0 in conference play. It's just not going to happen. But as long as they're not taking losses to teams like San Jose State or Air Force, then that shouldn't damage them too much. And RPI is still important, even though... I mean, we've said it countless times how meaningless yeah, it is in the end, fair. but the committee still uses it, so it's still there, it's still used, and ultimately it still impacts which teams enter the NCAA tournament. So as long as Nevada can pick up some some of those wins, maybe against TCU or Texas Tech in non-conference play and takes care of business in league play, then they should be all right. True. And really quick, I found the complete list here. So last year there's only two sub-200 teams in Air Force 251, UNLV 241. So, well, UNLV's UNLV will definitely yeah. rise. I think Air Force probably won't because that non-conference Ooh, yeah. schedule is that was a joke. It's it's horrible. So, and they're not going to win many games this year either. So, hopefully, they're the only sub two hundred team because just about everyone else at least got a little yeah, bit better. Looking at really quick before we wrap it up, um, San Jose State one ninety one, Utah State one eighty one. Everybody else is about 150 or higher. Well, I mean, it's 152. I think what would really help if you could have every team above um, 150. That'd be helpful because you had most of everybody in the like the top hundred. San Diego State was what six? Did you have Wyoming? Two, three, four. Only a couple teams like sub 200. Oh, five. You, you had six of them top hundred, five below. I think if you get everybody above 150, that's got to be a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. Because if we lose to a sub two hundred yeah, sub two hundred team, that's just awful. <laughs> it can, I mean, it can really damage your RPI by seven, ten, maybe fifteen ranks. So that's the stuff that determines whether you make the tournament or not. So one bad night on the road, or maybe even at home, they could really go a long ways. All right, um, last question here for you. Big question. Next 2018-2019, who's going to be the Nevada head coach? Or will Musselman be there? That's another <laughs> alternate title. Will Muslim Trent Trent Johnson. Oh no! No! 
Oh man, yeah, Nevada fans are gonna like Southern. Be no, 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 it's not gonna Southern be Trent Johnson. Connecticut head coach, whoever that guy was, remember? Uh, oh, was it the running for a San Jose State job? I forget. It's like it's like Dan Cooley or like Dan Calkins or something. I don't know what Generic it is. Generic coach A. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's neither of those two guys. Hopefully it's still Eric Musselman, and I think it probably will be. I mean, he seems. Obviously, he nearly got lured by California over the summer. That was definitely scary for Nevada fans and Mountain West mm-hmm. followers. But he did sign an extension, and he seems all in with Nevada. And he never really seemed like he'd be that interested in going anywhere else. So I was—I mean, some people were caught a little bit off guard. But who—who who really wouldn't want to hire a guy like Eric Musselman, who's going to transform your program that quickly? But. Yeah, I hope it's Musselman, and I think it probably will be. You know who my dark horse is to be the new Nevada coach in a couple years? Who's that? Oh, I I can guess. Come on, do it. Yeah, Mark yeah! Pope. Yeah! <laughs> He's just like Musselman. I'm just saying, yeah. hey, be on the lookout. He could be moving up. That's a bit, It's a decent-sized move, but we'll get to that later when it comes to it. I just say, watch, you'll see my Twitter feed, UVU Hoops, all, all winter long. Mm-hmm. You'll see that happening. So what, let's play mm-hmm. this game real quick so we can make this show a little bit, a couple more minutes here to get to about 30. I know it's hard to project coaching where they'll be because look what happened to Louisville. Look what happened to San Jose State during the summer or Ohio State with Ad Mata. What are they, what's going to happen like, or what's a team you could see Musselman going to? Because we all thought Cal was the good choice because of location, family, where he coached before. Is it like, pretty much pack 12 for him or could it be anywhere else you might see him going to take a big job like any hot seat coaches you could think of really quick out of the out of the, that would be a step up well off the top of my head almost all of the head coaching or even assistant coaching jobs that eric musselman's held have been in the western region of the u.s mm-hmm. so i would probably lean towards a, a team that may be in the pacific northwest or down along the coast but I mean, he's bounced around a lot of places and in, in the NBA and in college. D-League, so, remember? I mean, yeah, that yeah, that as well. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he went somewhere, maybe in the South or the East Coast, if that's what happens. But, I mean, if a place like I don't know, it, say UCLA opened up, or I mean, that might that might even be a reach, honestly. If Steve Alford, we got an leave, extra. But, not that it matters, but got that one year extension, I guess, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. But like, if you look yeah. at the coaches, like, yeah, they're not happy with him at UCLA too much. You're not, unless something with Andy Edfield and the FBI stuff down there. If that hits him harder, USC, Arizona, same thing. Sean Miller, not him directly, but assistants. We know Cal's not getting new head coach. Oregon State's not very good. They just hired a new coach. Is is USC? Would you say that USC is more attractive than Nevada at this point? Need more money, yeah. It's yeah, it's definitely better, more better, money. Better I don't know. Competition, more money. It's uh, as for a job, I'd say it's yeah, it's still gonna be all. I think it's always gonna be a better basketball job than Nevada. Maybe not like I mean like big picture wise. If you're looking at this year, next year, talent wise, that's why mm-hmm. people when Andy Enfield left from Florida Gulf Coast, well maybe he'll stay because these guys returning. But it's not mm-hmm. not necessarily the case. Unless here's the thing: unless he starts pulling off what Mark Few's done, you're not gonna lure anybody away because. Gonzaga now, big picture, is better than USC. They can get money and stuff. But I think in the moment, yeah, Nevada's probably a better job for at least next two years, I'd say. But big picture, USC's going to be better. True, and they're, they're excellent right now. They probably have a top five, top ten team. 
I think if Musselman were to take another job, it would probably be a Pac-12 or Big 12 school. He's He wouldn't take another Mount West job or a West Coast job no. or Big West or anything like that. It just wouldn't make sense. And if at best it would be a lateral move, even if you go yeah. to a place like St. Mary's or Gonzaga, I mean, is that really your ultimate end goal of leaving Nevada? I don't know if that no, would be. I, not St. Mary's, Gonzaga. I don't know. Is it really Gonzaga or is it Mark Few at the moment? Exactly. He's been mm-hmm. there so long, it's hard to distinguish. Cause they, they, and plus, if you think about them, those, that team too, they're also getting in more transfers. They have um, – Couple guys come, couple guys exactly. coming in now. Where they have Brandon yeah, Clark. Clark. That's what I think it's a Mountain West guy. I'm thinking of that who went out there, but it's yeah. Unless it's um, Gonzaga could probably pay, but Nevada up the money as well. And so there's there's that they have as well. I, I think you're right. It's going to be he's coached everywhere. Like he hasn't coached like his far for farthest east he's been. I think is what the one or two years he's at LSU. I think that's it. Everything else. That sounds right. So yeah. maybe he'll want to take a job in the SEC or take over whatever job opens up. But I think you're right. Like family's a big deal. It could probably be Pac-12, maybe a Big 12. But what Big 12 school is really better in basketball? You got Texas. Shaka Smart's not going anywhere. Bill Self at Kansas not going anywhere. Uh, Chris Hubbard's new at Texas Tech. That's probably not a step up, really. Even though he was UNLV for half a minute. Yeah, and Oklahoma State's a revolving door right you now. Golly, so. boys, coach. <laughs> I, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I just don't think that Eric Musselman would leave for a Pac-12 program like Washington State or Oregon State because I mean they might pay up, but that job just isn't really that more attractive than what Nevada is right now. And maybe that's due to what Musselman's done, but. I mean, they have a little bit of a decent pass, so I think it would have to be at least a middle-tier Big 12, Pac-12 job, maybe maybe even SEC job to lure him away from One Reno. last thing on that really quick. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. If you're going to take a, big, a better job, like a bigger school, think of it this way. You're going to be taking over a program that's been bad for most part, True. unless this, mm-hmm. that guy goes to NBA, retires, or – Gets Rick Petito with all that stuff would happen. <laughs> what are those? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say off the wall situation. So, if unless it's like a, let's just say, let's go back to UCLA. I know people aren't too excited with Steve Alford there. If he gets canned, that's a job you go to because you can rebuild quickly. Or Arizona, but those jobs don't open up very often. Kansas typically they go because coach retires, or you move on because it's uh, you go to the NBA or something. It's very difficult to get a mm-hmm. job where it's going to be a a huge marquee program, a big jump, and be one where, okay, we may have a year or so, but be back in the mix. And if Nevada can elevate to the, like, San Diego State, Steve Fisher brand in the Mountain West and be that consistent top 25 team that either gets those transfers or gets those solid recruits, I mean, I think that might even be enough for Eric Musselman to kind of, maybe say no to those jobs like California or or Utah or USC or things like that if he's able to build up the program to what San Diego State has been the last decade or so. And that's not to say that Musselman's already knocking on the door of Steve Fisher because that's, I mean, I mean, that's not quite a comparison yet. But, I mean, you know what I mean? Like that fringe top 25 team that can get talent and they've got solid players that can make it to the NBA. That's pretty much what Steve Fisher was able to do. Exactly. Oh, I had something I was gonna say, but crap, my auto play, auto play video got to me. I 
I had something to be interested <laughs> about. Oh well, whatever. Well, maybe I'll remember later on. So I think we're. We think... Well, hopefully, hopefully we don't have to discuss this anytime soon. Musselman sticks with the Wolfpack for. As, as oh, long as I know. know say. He likes to coach, and so maybe he likes to challenge a little bit. He likes to coach because he we see him in practice. He's been everywhere. Like I said, G League, NBA coach. He's been around everywhere. College assistant. So if he likes to coach, maybe that'll one thing to keep him here. And if they can keep him in a neighborhood where he wants to be with money wise, there you go, right? Keep him in town. All right, yep. so that's our show for tonight. I, oh, wait, we didn't officially say first place, first place, right? Is that where we're going? Mm, I'm thinking about fourth. <laughs> You're going with the Rebs, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Nevada's definitely the team to beat in in the state of Nevada, so to speak. So, yeah, they're definitely my first place team, and I think they'll land in the NCAA tournament exactly. again this year. Same as me, potentially at large, which would be nice because you have two teams. But that's it for this show. By the time you hear this, maybe you're trick or treating, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. So, um, we'll say happy Halloween because it's October at the moment. So, check us out mwr.com. Um, give us a review. Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Go to uh, heatcheckcbb.com for some more Eli Betker hoops. And we'll have we'll have a lot of hoops up. We're going to promise to do more hoops this year because you're already doing great stuff and doing kind of big picture stuff. We, we're we going to have, I guess I'll say it now, and hopefully I won't say who, but we're going to have a an assistant basketball coach participate on our website. I'm stoked for that. I'm I'm really looking forward to yeah. that. Honestly, that's gonna be fun. Again, they are a uh, I think D two or D three assistant coach. So look for something interesting with that coming down the pipeline because they do. I think they're gonna do some sort of a maybe a film breakdown of some sort or just some sort of breakdown of the week. May not be film, maybe play or maybe in a series of events or a game or something. So look for that weekly, probably starting in mid November. But that's always fun. That's a different angle. We don't get that type of stuff on here. We watch basketball, but we're not a coach. They pro- yeah, we'll. I mean, we'll definitely end up learning a lot more about what's going on. So that's gonna be fun. To that stuff. So, all right. So, um, nothing else to add here. That's our show. Again, mwr.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Give us a review. And as we end always, yeah, we're biased to get your team. Sorry, Nevada. It's true. Every team.